baseball, that, that baseball must have colic because uh, that was a screamer. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really, that's really good. good. Uh, it's, it's May 10th, um, and, and we are one month into the MLB season officially. Uh, teams have played uh, up to 30 games now, and um, I, got, I got ball game here. I got Chopper over there in Arizona. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, Coach Ballgame, doing good, uh, enjoying looking at all these records and uh, definitely some surprises as you look around baseball. Uh, pretty cool to see, you know, about a little, little under one-fifth of the way through. And uh, some teams are starting to kind of separate themselves and other ones are maybe lying in the weeds and preparing for a run. Not going to count some of these teams out, not counting Boston out yet, let me tell you. Oh, boy. Well, listener, you can tell it's not the – it's not the Jim Nancy silky chopper uh, sound over there. He's got internet issues. Can't use his microphone using his cell phone. I think he's in a tunnel. I think he, uh, uh, you know, he's got, um, he, he, he's in, he's in a dumpster. He's at the bottom of a dumpster with his cell phone, but he's found some service. So um, I, I'm glad you, you figured out a way you're a grinder. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is not brought to you by Xfinity because Xfinity is currently out. So no, no, definitely not. But hey, um, we'll carry on, and uh, and it's good to hear you, even though I can't see you. I, I wanted to hit some topics before we get to the MLB. Uh, one of which is uh, Mother's Day. I think the most important topic of all. Um, I'll I'll ask you, uh, what did you give uh, the diesel for Mother's Day, uh, and and also your mom? Like, what, what did you do? uh flowers in a card uh was the the gift and then the boys did a good job of writing uh some notes to their mom and uh, i sent you a picture of what boaz gave his mom which was him a painting of him in an attaboy shirt so attaboy to boaz so and strong. uh yeah it was a great day yeah i made her breakfast uh breakfast in bed and uh, uh we had a nice little uh nice little mother's day morning it was great well done well done. Yep. I, uh, How about you? I, I always call uh, the Asheboro, North Carolina florist and make sure my mom gets a, a big bouquet um, on the Friday before Easter. So Easter, ha, where am I? Mother's Day. So we got that. And then um, for mom, uh, for Tara Jean here, it was a yes day. Uh, everything she asked for, everything she wanted, we had to say yes. Uh, she wants breakfast in bed. Yes. She wants a, a foot massage uh, with, um, with lotion. Uh, yes. You, you want, you want us to just leave you alone for three hours? Yes. Whatever, whatever you want. It was a yes day. So that was the morning. We also did some dances. She wanted, uh, she wanted some choreographed dances from dad and, and the daughters. So we choreographed some dancing. And then she went off with her mom and her sisters to have a, a little wine spa day. So um, that's kind of how we do it uh, around the ballgame residence. And um, I would say that's that's quality for any dads out there. Um, just give your give your wife, give them a yes day. I love the yes day. Uh, yeah, dad ended up going to lunch with her mom and her uh, sister-in-law too. So that was fun for them. And yeah, just try to make sure that the, Moms have such a high workload, right? Normally with family. So to give them a day where they just get to be themselves and not worry about, you know, getting lunches and 
diapers and all kinds of jazz on and off and up and down is nice just to give them a break. I like the yes day. That's great. All the moms out there, you're amazing. And there was an amazing mom um, that on Mother's Day from Utah with her mom, a listener of the pod, uh, uh, I think she's going through the order and she's she's gotten through 13 pods now. Um, she is a mother of three, a coach, a softball coach to three of her daughters there in Utah. She loves the podcast. She loves the coach ball game Sandlots. She flew out with her mom to Southern California, watched a day of Sandlots yesterday, and she will be wow. uh, running her own uh, Sandlots in uh, in her hometown of Utah there starting this July. Her name's Coach Texie, so she gets an girl uh, for that. But uh, I, I, I had a phone call with her last week. She's really serious about it. She sees some issues going on in her town of, you know, what we talk about on the podcast, just uh, when it all costs mentality. And um, she just she wants the kids in her town to have some fun. And to just be able to play ball, yeah. uh, inclusive uh, to anyone. And so she's serious about it. She booked a flight. She got a rental car. She got a hotel. Uh, she brought her notepad. She took notes. She asked the right questions. Uh, we went to lunch and, and discussed um, kind of everything she would need to know. And she's ready. She, she played four years of college at Utah. So um, happy Mother's Day to her and her mom who came out and and really saw and felt the Sandlot, you know, there's one thing where you, you see it on social media or I do a Zoom, but when you can come and just experience it, um, that's a whole different ball game. So she's the third person we've entrusted with a coach ball game Sandlot and, um, and she's the right one for the job. So uh, add a girl to her. Um, way to go coach taxi and boy does she love our uh, our rapport she says we've it's like we've been friends for 50 years on the pod i love that well yeah. you know I feel like maybe we, maybe we have we're definitely yeah. like-minded like-minded souls i know that that is for sure and and the you know the discussion that we've we've had for the last um uh, you know year or so now like it's getting into small towns in Utah and it's, it's getting into the minds of, of coaches out there that want to make a difference. So um, that's, that's coach taxi there. And she got to experience our final week of Sandlot for the spring season. This is our last week of the season. We do eight week seasons and, um, and she got to experience uh, the final ceremony of our Monday Sandlots. And, and that, that means kids come up, and, and we've built this family over an eight-week season, so uh, the kids look at each other and, and say nice things about them. Hey, here's, uh, here's cotton candy. What, maybe it was week one. Maybe it was week four. Maybe it was today. Something she did uh, that impressed you and made you say, oh, oh snap, uh, she's lit. I want to be a better person because of her. So uh, we'll be doing these ceremonies all week. And, I mean, that's right out of your playbook. Huh? You, you – uh, uh, you do that with your players, even at the high school level. Yeah, you got to you got to spotlight. Uh, in our case, it's the boys. Uh, in your case, boys and girls, and just make sure they know kind of how special they are. Man, it's it's we 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 forget, and you and you just assume that someone that's really cool and awesome and great that they think they're cool and awesome and great. Sometimes the really cool, awesome, great 
player or friend is a little bit down. And if you can remind them what they bring that is so special and makes them unique and awesome, uh, you can change their, uh, change their mindset and get them back into being awesome. And, uh, and that's why we spotlight our players. So. And that's one thing. It's one thing to, for a coach to tell a kid you're doing great. Um, I see a certain response when, when I or another coach give that, but when another kid, their peer says, I just love them, or I, I love the way they hustle, uh, or they were really nice to me. That's when you see their face light up. So um, it really yeah. means a lot to them to hear their peers uh, giving them those compliments. So that's, that's kind of what we do on the last week of, of our uh, sandlots. And um, I, I'm really, really proud of it. Then I gave out some stickers. I got some dance on a toilet stickers and attaboy stickers that uh, I give out and they love those. So um, I don't want to hog this whole thing. I, uh, I have a few more things to, to touch on before we, we, we hit uh, our two main topics, our main course. How's, uh, how's the team doing over there? What's going on in Arizona? Yeah, we, uh, well, we had a game on Saturday against a really good opponent, Valley Christian at Valley Christian. And uh, we got down five to zero pretty early on getting into the fourth inning and you could kind of feel the team starting to fracture a little bit. So called them up in front of the dugout and just reminded them how much we love each other and that the, this story is not going to end that way. This story is going to, going to turn to us doing what we've done all year long, which is drawing closer together in tough moments and overcoming. And, uh, and I told him if we are who we believe we are, this is about to get really fun, really quick. And we came out and scored four unanswered runs. We had the bases loaded with nobody out. We had knocked out their ACE five to four bases loaded, nobody out. And, uh, and we went strikeout, strikeout, and a kid tried to score on a pass ball, got a good read, and it just bounced straight back to the catcher. And we ended up losing five to four. But, man, what a great season. Um, so proud of our kids. And I, I got very emotional after the game. Had nothing to do with the win or the loss. It had to do with me knowing I wasn't going to see my 12 seniors uh, every day anymore. And that was, that was really hard for me. Uh, Hard to put that into words. Uh, we hugged each other. Uh, we shared a cry, and uh, then we went straight to straight to Culver's and crushed some delicious burgers and fries and uh, ice creams. It was great. And then we had a pizza party last night. Turned in some gear and uh, reminded them how special they are, how much I love them. Told the kids that are returning that the pain that that day caused is what's going to drive us to greatness moving forward. Um, we finished the season 19 and four. We lost those four runs by a combined or those four games by a combined six runs, which is incredible. So we were six runs away from being undefeated, which is crazy to think, you know, as a coach that can drive you nuts, but it can also make you very proud and just know you got to find six runs somewhere. So we're going to, we're going to search for the six additional runs this, uh, this summer. Got a new group coming in super, super excited about them. Uh, but I'll never forget uh, our seniors that are leaving. Man, they're such a special group. Mm, man, I think uh, our listeners, uh, as, along with me, have kind of uh, traveled on this journey with you this season, uh, you know, hearing all the updates of your first season as a high school coach and uh, kind of hurt me a little bit hearing that. Uh, uh, I was waiting, uh, and we win. We win six to five. Um, but 
those those extremely tough losses i've had a good amount of those uh where we thought we were going to win the state championship or uh, in college we thought we were going to win the ivies and you get to that point where um it look it looks it looks grim and then uh and then it starts to perk up but then we ultimately fall short those are those can sometimes be tougher than just getting schlacked 10 to nothing um so uh, I love what you what you said to them, and and uh, as as hard as that that loss was, that whole journey and that whole season, and and what you brought as a um, just as a mentor and and as a good man to those boys' lives, uh, they'll never forget that. They'll never forget those burgers and those friendships and the pizza parties and the mariachi band and the skittles. They won't forget it, and uh, it'll it'll make them stronger when when they get fired from that first job. They'll they'll look back on this, and and they'll be stronger for it. So um, tough loss, but uh, again, it's it's how you respond, huh? Well, yeah, and and two, like we got to hear some really cool things. I, I spoke to a parent yesterday, and um, and he was saying that the the other team, some of their fans came over after the game and said, you know, cause we're a new coaching staff and uh, this is our first year. And they said, man, you guys, that was a great game. You guys have a really, really great coaching staff. Um, and that was cool, you know, because the kids that see every day, they know what you're about and they know kind of what, what we bring and the energy we bring and the positivity. And, um, but for opponents to say that too, you know, that you're, you're doing it the right way. And it just makes you want to do better, you know, cause I wasn't perfect this year. I'm competitive. And there were times this year when, um, you know, I got a little fiery and, uh, and, and next year I got to be better and, uh, and I will be, and it's fun. We're going to have our end of the year meetings with the kids here coming up on Wednesday. And one of my kids, <laughs> he's a sophomore and uh, he goes, coach, what do you mean by end of the year meeting? And I said, so-and-so we're a really good program and in really good programs. You have end of the year meetings. And you talk about your strengths and you talk about your goals and you talk about where we see you and what we think you need to work on. And, uh, and that's just what good programs do. And so it was funny. He's like, Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, but then also we're going to ask the kids, how can we be better as a staff, you know? And uh, cause the last thing we need to do is think we've got it all figured out. We don't, I want to hear from the players and their perspective, like how can we make this a better culture or a better atmosphere moving forward so we can get better. And, um, that's what we're going to do. I'm excited for that on Wednesday. And I told all my seniors, they have my phone number. They can call me anytime, anywhere, any hour of the day. I will be there for them. Uh, I told them now, now we kind of transition into like uncles, right? So we're not, we're not their mom. We're not their dad. If they need help, call us. If they're in a bad spot at two in the morning, probably somewhere where they're not supposed to be, we'll come pick them up and we'll make sure they get home safely. And as an uncle would do, we'd make sure that We'll say it, it wasn't really his idea. He kind of got dragged in. It will we'll soften the blow a little bit if we have to, but uh, we're there for him and we love him and we're there to support him. And uh, we do anything for him from now until forever. Amazing. Uh, uh, we'll just quickly unpack something that stuck out to me there of, of you, you noticing uh, your flaws and, and boy, uh, <laughs> we run a podcast on being good coaches and we're, we're giving advice to, to, volunteer uh, coaches out there of how to be a better coach yet 
we're very flawed. I've had mistakes this week. I've made many mistakes this season. You uh, held yourself accountable. Uh, you got a little fiery and you, you've got to do better as well. And that's the secret, it, it, coaches, is to uh, uh, hold yourself accountable and, um, and let your kids know when you've messed up, when you've gone too far. Be honest with yourself. And um, that's it, man. If you're going to be, if you're going to blame others for, uh, for your downfalls, then we're not getting there. We're not, we're not uh, creating a culture uh, of change. Uh, Then then we're just going down the same, uh, the same, we're going down the same path that we're trying to change. Uh, So good on you, man. Good on you. Thanks, coach. Yeah, it's uh, something you always got to be doing. If, in fact, I had a coach who told me once, the day you, the day you think you have it figured out, go do something else. Mm. You know, uh, and that's kind of as coaches, like you, we've got to be continually searching and being honest and open. And uh, you want that constructive criticism, just like we tell the kids that they need, like we need that too. And when you're building a staff, build it. Don't build it with a bunch of yes men. Build it with some guys that are going to challenge you and uh, and ask questions. And I have such a great staff uh, around me that uh, I'm just so thankful to have them. And uh, yeah, man, we're, we're excited. We, it's funny. We lost that game and then we're eating dinner and we're already talking about lineup construction with the next group that's coming in. And uh, I told my guys that that's how, you know, you're, you're where you're supposed to be when you're, you're just hungry and you want to get right back in it. And uh, you know, my stud shortstop, who is an absolute stud uh, he struck out with the bases loaded in the sixth and uh he's like coach when can we play again you know Ah. you know that as a player it's like you got to get that taste out of your mouth so i'm going to try to schedule something here in the next couple weeks where we just get a get a game at our place under the lights and uh and we get that taste out of his mouth i can relate to that as a player so uh we got to get got to get a game in for my guy and uh he's a tremendous athlete and uh he's got an incredibly bright future he's also the star star quarterback he's uh for the football team he's and he plays basketball he's a stud so that kind of sounds like a uh, coach chop sandlot is breaking out. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. Under the lights even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, fun, uh, fun journey. Um, I want to tease a couple topics. We'll hit uh, near the end of the pod. Uh, one is, is a topic I think we can all relate to as parents of kids that are afraid of getting hit by a pitch. I had a really, uh, really tough email to read. Uh, earlier this week, uh, but boy, uh, did it come full circle uh, when the second email came through last night. So um, we're going to talk getting hit by the pitch and ha- how to work with our our kids on that. Also, want to tease a Pearl Jam concert and a phone conversation with Kirk Gibson. Those two things wow. happened this week as well. Um, wow. And yeah, there might be a, a Sandlot in Toronto and another first pitch at Wrigley uh, coming up this weekend. So a lot, a lot of teasing going on there. Um, but let's get into the MLB recap, my friend. Uh, uh, we, we've gotten we've gotten about 28, 30 games deep here. So, uh, like you said, a fifth of the season down, and and who's hot? It's the Yanks. It's the Twins. It's the Angels the Mets, the Brewers, and the Dodgers. Uh, what did you expect going in uh, the, uh, to this season? And then any surprises with these six division leaders? Yeah, you look at it, and uh, there's there's some things that we expected 
and there's a couple that are that are surprises. Um, but it looks, you know, I think the Angels are a surprise at 20 and 11. Uh, Houston's right there, obviously. Uh, but yeah, uh, you look at one thing that does surprise me a little bit, like Tigers at eight and 20, and I got to dive into that a little bit more. I don't know if there's injuries going on or what, but I thought that was a team that was kind of poised, especially getting Austin Meadows, obviously Javier Baez. Um, I'd have to look into that a little bit closer at eight and 20. That's kind of a surprise to me. Uh, but in the AL central Minnesota at the top, Chicago and Cleveland, right there, we kind of expected that. Yankees are doing something that I didn't expect, uh, but they're 20 and eight right now. I think they will uh, regress back to the mean, so to speak. Love that term. Regress and uh, back to the mean. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, Tampa's right there. Toronto's right there. Once again, that's not a surprise. The surprise in the AL East to me is Boston at 10 and 19. Um, AOS, we talked about Seattle is 13 and 17, probably within striking distance. Texas is going to have a tough time. And Oakland's going to have a tough time. They're they're in that spot where they they trade a lot of other guys away to get to get some talent, young talent, controllable talent. They'll be good in a couple of years. Uh, you look at the NL West. I got the Dodgers and the Padres, and then obviously the Giants within striking distance. That's the only division where everyone's above five hundred. Uh, Daniel Bard's Colorado Rockies, sixteen and thirteen, and then a surprise. What I would say is Arizona. Madison Bumgarner's throwing the pill in the desert right now. And you love to see it like a cowboy lassoing a bull. I don't even know if that's a thing. And then in the NL central, uh, you got Milwaukee with that, that starting rotation, Seattle right there, Pittsburgh, a bit of a surprise. And then the poor reds, my goodness, six and 23 mm. cheese and rice, uh, NL East Mets 20 and 10 Atlanta right there, 14 and 16 surprised to say Miami's right there. 13 and 16 tied with Philly. And then the nationals are also in that division at 10 and 20, but uh, it's cool, man. It's fun for me. Uh, this is the first time in nine years that I haven't just been in the thick of it where you've got your head down, kind of looking at what the Dodgers are doing or the giants. If I was with them now to be able to get this kind of broad scope and every day I'm watching baseball, a lot of baseball. It's fun. And, uh, it's fun, man. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I, I do. A what do you got? I do a Monday MLB recap. And, and I think like 13 people watch it, uh, and, and I spend a lot of time on it strictly for the love of the game. I, I just love being able to yeah. paint some kind of broad brush um, on, on, on what's going on, just to stay relevant and current. Uh, I mean, what stands out to me right away is, is pitching. And if you look at the teams at the top, uh, Team Whip, um, which uh, can you tell the listener, what does Whip mean, Coach? Walks and hits? Per innings pitched yeah walks and hits yeah walks and hits over innings pitched so basically that's how many guys are getting on base to put it into to average normal layman's terms uh that's just how much traffic there are on the bases coach a low whip means less guys on base uh one is good below one is supernatural the only team below one is the dodgers and you know they have been the gold standard for for team pitching uh kershaw's yeah, he's found the fountain of youth, as has Bum Garner and Verlander's right there as well. Um, Rodon's not a spring chicken, and and they're all uh, you know banging it. Really, really, really beautiful pitching. Uh, as far as Team Whip, Dodgers, Mets, Astros, Yankees, Twins, Rays, Angels, Padres, Brewers, and those are the teams with the best records. Uh, same with Team ERA, uh, Dodgers, uh, 
2.19, Yanks, Astros, Twins, Mets, and there's those D-backs who are surprising folks. So, um, swing and miss. Strong, game. Oh, Strom, man. How about it? That's, Gotta love Strom that guy. in Arizona. Yeah, he went from Houston. He went from, from Houston to Arizona and look at their ERA. They, they, they were a terrible, terrible pitching team uh, last year. And they had a bunch of injuries, but they're throwing the baseball right now. I love his strong, just just kind of a leathery look to him, like strong, strong, strong. Um, teamy, uh, team strikeouts, Brewers. Brewers have people swinging and missing. Mets have people swinging and missing. So uh, it always comes back to pitching. And, um, and I think when you, when you look at who's hot, Astros seven in a row uh, and Yanks eight out of ten, uh, they're just – pitching uh beautifully i think we knew the dodgers and brewers oh we're going to be great because of that pitching um but uh the brewers are also uh doing it with the bats uh i, I was just looking at team i believe it's team hits and who you got at the top uh we got the mets at the top uh, so so how about the mets pitching and uh banging the baseball and then the Angels, as far as offense goes, team home runs, team RBIs, team runs, team slug, team OPS. Uh, it's the Angels. And that's the team we we kind of hoped. Like you, when you've got those names uh, down that lineup, and then you've got some surprises like Taylor Ward. Uh, Taylor Ward's leading baseball in OPS um, and, and just crushing it uh, as a bit of a surprise for them. And Brandon Marsh. So the Angels offensively um, are are doing what we thought they'd do, and then they're surprising us a little bit with pitching. So I think the White Sox are a bit of a surprise at fourteen and fourteen. Uh, twins, uh, Twins are on top there, and we'll see if they're for real or if they will regress to the mean. Um, mm, that's a good term. You must have been mm-hmm. in, uh, went to Brown. I was listening. I was listening. I heard David Cohn say that on Sunday Night Baseball. The, uh, I think it was two nights ago. That was that was a nice one. Uh, you know, we'll see what Toronto does if they can. Uh, and then Tampa's the Rays are are starting to ray. The Rays are starting to get a little scary there. So, um, right now, I mean, who who looks who looks beautiful? Well, you could see the Dodgers and Yanks in a World Series. Uh, you could see the the Brewers and Mets. Uh, duking it out uh, in a playoff game. You can see the Angels and Yankees in, a, in an ALCS right now. So it's it's kind of like the fun, big names uh, have come to play this first month. So it's been fun to watch, uh, to watch baseball. Big market baseball. Looking yeah. at the Angels, the Yankees, the Mets, and the Dodgers, and then Milwaukee and Minnesota holding it down for the smaller market teams. But, yeah, big market baseball. Those teams spent some money, and, uh, and they're getting their money's worth right now. Bang. Pa- Padres, bang. Padres, uh, just a game and a half back of the Dodgers, and Manny Machado is your front runner for the MVP right now. Um, most hits, uh, batting average, batting 381. Um, and, and, yeah, you, you look down the batting average list, Machado, Taylor Ward, Hosmer. Hosmer and Machado, Finkel and Einhorn in it together for the Padres. Um, Bogart's batting 343. He's the only guy doing it right now for, for Boston. Um, so, yeah, 
I, I see Machado and Taylor Ward uh, as, as the best hitters of the month. And then Mike Trout uh, doing his thing. Uh, it's one dot in it. OPS, there's five guys, uh, one dot in uh, Ward, Trout, Machado, Arenado, and J-Ram. Um, so pretty tough to one dot. And for those listeners that don't know, uh, OPS, that's on base percentage plus your slugging percentage and uh coach you want to break down what slugging percentage is to uh to lime stewartson the 12 year old out there i would love to uh slug is basically that's going to be higher uh the amount of hits you get especially extra base hits and the league average for ops in the past it was 700 i think with pitching being what it is now it might be a little bit below 700 but an mlb average player is 700 an all-star would be 800 OPS. And then you start getting around that a thousand or one dot as coach described it, which I really enjoy. Now you're looking at Barry Bonds. Now you're looking at a Barry Bonds in his prime when you get over the one dot. So they're, they're drawing walks. They're hitting the baseball. They're hitting the baseball with authority. Another good stat is to look at is ISO, which ISO is a good one to look at. That's, that's a direct correlation to the amount of extra base hits or slug or damage that you're doing by yourself uh but yeah ops is great and uh i love that you slipped in a finkel and einar and i will not let that go unnoticed that is a great great <laughs> drop in ah, so really fun to watch uh, uh a good full month of baseball and um yeah fired up to see uh my cubbies in action uh on monday i, I was in a movie called Rally Caps. It'll come out later this year where uh, I basically play myself. I go, uh, I, I'm a counselor at a baseball summer camp. Uh, and, you know, these kids come and they play a baseball tournament. And uh, some of the kids in the movie, uh, the, the characters are deaf. And so uh, what the producers are doing for the movie are doing a hearing loss awareness night at all 30 ballparks. And uh, the the Chicago Cubs stop is Monday night. So I'm headed to Toronto Friday morning with my passport and and all the paperwork needed to get into a different country. And I'll do sandlots in Toronto, Canada, the first Canadian sandlots uh, Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to go out for my my college uh, buddy. Uh, his name's Chris Davidson. We called him the unit because he was six foot six and he was a pitcher, but he also played hockey at Brown. So anytime he'd pitch, the whole hockey team would come with the Canadian flag, sit in the bleachers there at Brown University and uh, just tailgate and have a party. And it was so fun. So we're going out for his birthday after he brings his kids to our Sandlot Saturday um, and we'll rock it Sunday. And then I fly into Chicago to throw out that first pitch again um probably going to go cubs onesie so cubs pirates we'll see we'll see my cubbies in action and hey they're in a full-on rebuild and and i get it but for a cubs fan that's kind of our place of comfy like we weren't used to being at the top uh so just just being a team that that plays baseball all 162 and loses half of them uh that's kind of what i grew up with and 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 we're good with that we had our 2016 yeah well a couple of things to to jump on there uh i also had a canadian teammate six foot ten pj mckaig who uh 
imagine Justin Timberlake on stilts, one of the most handsome people you're ever going to meet. And he is now Scott Boris's hockey guy. True story. So uh, that's where PJ, PJ McKay landed. And that doesn't surprise you if you got to know him. Super gregarious, super handsome, just a great dude. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, I think I might have just forgot. Oh, mm, yeah, well, I, I forgot. That'll happen. Just, that happens. Justin Timberlake on stilts. Like, that's that's a great one there. Hey, had a, had a teammate. He looked like Justin Timberlake on stilts. I mean, that's yeah, that's good stuff. I remember that, the that important your one. ear. I remember. Oh, I got it. No, no. Hey, who else in the world has thrown the first pitch out twice for the Cubs? That's what it was. Second oh. time, that's rare air, bud. Hey, we're getting into the uh, it, it, we're getting into it there with the with the Eddie Vetters and the John Cusacks a little bit. Pearl Jam. But yeah, hey, uh, I'm 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 just accepting that it's that it's real life, you know. Even though yeah. that eight year old me thinks it's a dream, I uh, I'm I'm gonna step up there in my onesie uh, and I'll have my rally caps jersey on over the top of it. Gonna don that that to, uh, for the for the rally caps night. And uh, who knows? I'll try and sneak. You're gonna go sneak my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw a 79 mile an hour four seamer right down the pipe, and then hopefully we'll get see our our buddy Boog Shambi. He'll be calling the game, so uh, would love to chat with him. Uh, I'll be staying with with the family that uh, raised all this money for us to go on our Sandlot tour last season. If you missed that story, uh, you know, go on my YouTube and see the Buppa scholarship, but. Um, Bupa's, uh, family is in Chicago. So I'm going to sleep on their couch and hang out with them and take them to the Cubbies game. So that'll be great. That's, that's what, uh, what the weekend holds. Um, but I, I have, I have to talk about speaking of the Cubs, I have to talk about Eddie Vedder. Uh, my wife surprised me with a trip to the forum, um, Saturday night, and it was to see, one of my favorite bands, you know, and I think of my 12 year old self just jamming on my drums to uh, daughter and better man and even flow, uh, but I've never seen him live and we go and it's Pearl jam. And that 57 year old Eddie Vedder is as strong and as pure as he's ever been. Uh, they put on an absolute show and man, my face melted, my heart melted. Uh, it was great, buddy. It was great. Pearl Jam, dude. Pearl Jam is, uh, for our generation, Pearl Jam, that was, you're looking at Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, like that genre, that grunge rock, throw on a flannel shirt and, uh, you know, get a little, get a little angry. Uh, but then they'll <laughs> drop like a, a daughter on you, you know, don't call me daughter. And, uh, and you see the softer side too. Uh, man, I love Pearl Jam. Their oh. first album, I believe it's called 10. Yep. Uh, is just full of just, I mean, every song. You, just, you put that thing on shuffle and know that you're going to be dialed in. Uh, yeah, got to love Pearl Jam. That's so cool. And to hear him tell the stories of of, of behind the songs and the lyrics, uh, you know, like him him being in Seattle and, and writing a song about a, a homeless man named Eddie uh, and uh, calling that song Even Flow, like, you know, some of these stories behind the lyrics are amazing and he yep. shares them. Uh, but yeah, tons of energy jumping on the jumping up and down all around the stage. Uh, and just, just amazing, just Love amazing. It. So that was, <clears throat> that was Pearl jam. And, and then I get a, a voicemail 
um, on uh, on Sunday. And my, if you've ever called Coach Ball Game, the voicemail is you've reached Coach Ball Game. Beep, and that's it's true. It. Called it today. Called it today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the voicemail comes in. Well, you've reached Kirk Gibson. <laughs> no way. And then he leaves his number, and that was it. And um, I I had heard that. that you know, that he wanted, he wanted to grab my number after we met in Dallas, uh, and, and possibly get him on the podcast. So I texted him a while back, hadn't heard. And then he calls. So I called him right back. And for 16 minutes and 14 seconds, I was just, uh, I was in line at the in and out burger, uh, waiting to, to order a burger and, and talking to Kirk Gibson in the car. And, uh, he, he goes pheasant hunting every year in North Dakota. Um, and, uh, or maybe it's South Dakota, but he, uh, he does a, he does a base. There's the Babe Ruth world series is, is in the Dakotas every August. And he goes up there and does a speaking engagement, but he called to talk about that and how maybe he could get me up there to do a sandlot with him with these Babe Ruth world series players. So, um, when you got Kirk Gibson inviting you to South Dakota to coach a sandlot with him. Uh, you kind of got to prioritize that, brother. You go to South Dakota. Yeah. Kirk Gibson <laughs> says, I, I need you in South Dakota. You start uh, looking at Southwest rates to South Dakota. You know, the, that's just the how funny that goes. thing is, we'll, uh, we'll be in the middle of our, our second Sandlot tour where we fly into Milwaukee and we're going to do a, a Sandlot in Milwaukee on uh, August 8th, 8 8. And then we go to Madison, 8-9. Then we go back to the Field of Dreams in Iowa, 8-11. And then St. Louis, 8-13. So somewhere in that ballpark, we're going to have to figure out how to pop over to South Dakota and hang out with Kirk Gibson. But, uh, yeah, super fired up about this this, uh, season two of the Sandlot Tour. Milwaukee, Madison, Dyersville, St. Louis, Nashville, and then a bunch of cities in Georgia. And I texted our – our pal Jay Smooth, Javier Lopez, about an yeah. Atlanta sandlot. So uh, we'll be there um, uh, with Major League Baseball. I'll mix in a trip to the Little League World Series up in Pennsylvania, do some do some coaching up there as well. So uh, a busy summer cranks up uh, uh, the first weekend in June. So fired up, man, ready to rock and roll, brother. I love it. That's exciting, man. I can't wait. You're going to spread joy and love of the game and some knowledge about Roberto Clemente and Daniel Nava and uh, some good stuff. So Titus, my, my, he's recently turned five. He was in the backyard this morning. Deb said hitting off the tee because the internet's down. The aforementioned internet's down. So instead of him watching mindless television shows, he's out in the backyard and he's just launching balls into our neighbor's yard, real baseballs <laughs> off the tee. And uh, Dave goes, what's going on? He goes, you can't be hitting that. He goes, well, Coach Ballgame's too good of a coach. He taught me, he taught me how to do this because he's such a good instructor. These, this is verbatim to what he said. So now I'm just launching doubles. Let's yeah, go. So just la- launching doubles because of Coach Ballgame because he's such a I, good instructor. Oh, I have to check said. and make sure that my insurance policy uh, holds up with, with broken windows. Yeah, yeah, Titus, man. <laughs> Love that. He's, uh, he, you know, it's fun. When they start getting into it, He last night he grabbed his glove and we're just – throwing a little soft softball you know across the living room together and 
you know, you know that time when they start counting how many we can catch in a row. And his eyes light up when he makes the play. And, and uh, it's just a lot of fun, man, when they get going on that. He's on his little league team. And uh, it's just as parents, as coaches, even as players, like let's just never forget how fun this game is. Just having a catch with your dad and your son uh, is really what you can boil it down to. We get so stressed out. It's like our season ended on Saturday. Okay. Like still had the most fun of my life with that group. And I'm not going to let that be ruined by, you know, a sixth inning where we just didn't get the big hit. That's baseball. And I would argue that's part of what makes it a beautiful sport. It's not like football and basketball, where if you're the better team or the, or you've got all this talent or you've got it figured out, you're probably going to win Ask Tom Brady uh, or the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq and all that stuff in baseball, there's, there's some variability there. You can hit a ball 110 off the bat right at somebody, or you can swing and miss, or you can do this or that, or someone can make an error. It's, it's a beautiful game, and uh, and let's never forget just how beautiful the game is. Detach your joy from results. Mm, exactly. It's tough to do. That's why it hurts so much, because it's so fun. The process of it is so fun. You don't want it to end. Um, so, yeah, detaching that joy from the results is huge. What a, what a great piece of advice. Um, oh, uh, now I forgot. Oh, I got it. Oh, it's the once a week, the Internet should go down. That's what it should be. There should be sure that's a rule. And maybe, you know, you, you, we can you, make that happen. As you, throw a little, yeah. you throw a little, a little fib out there and you say, Oh, the internet's down again. Oh, let's go out and play some catch. And that, just, that somehow happens once a week. I think that's a pretty <laughs> cool idea. Uh, that is a good idea. Get unplugged. I dig that. They say. Yeah. A little unplug action is good. Uh, is good for the the neighbors' uh, how, uh, car windows. That's for sure. I'd listen to I'd listen um, to Pearl Jam at, Unplugged. I bet that'd be a good album. Pearl Jam Unplugged. Remember MTV oh, yeah. was Unplugged. I remember it very well. Acoustic. I remember the album. Mm. Just because his voice is is unreal. It's there's there's something other other realmly about his voice. How pure it is. Uh, so he he would be he'd be one of those I'd be starstruck and. I'd have, I wouldn't, it'd be hard for me to just be myself around them. I'd have to I'd have to do some Mookie Betts breathing, uh, deep breathing. That's how I feel but, about you now, now that I learned you're on Chuck. On yeah, NBC. buddy. Right. That's, that's how I feel around you. Next time I see you in person, I, I'm going to have to stay composed because that was my most favorite show. I told Debbie and she lost her mind. She's like, did uh, you tell him that that was our favorite show? I said, yeah, I did multiple times. Almost. It, it got awkward for a second. Oh, I loved that gosh. show. My, probably my favorite audition ever. Uh, going in for that and and just one line tore the room up it was great so i was like right just pills. me right. yeah ooh, ooh, right in the pills just me and my voice and and just being in that moment was uh was enough well uh, i uh zachary levi zachary levi i i want to get to it i want to get to to this awesome this kind of heart-wrenching email and then uh full circle moment where I get an email from a mom and says, you know, my nine U player, um, he's just kind of got happy feet and stepping out of the box and, and, and it's all psychological. He got hit, got hit in the arm. It hurt really bad. And, and now he just doesn't have that confidence. He's kind of like a different player. He doesn't look forward to, to, to going to the field and getting in the batter's box. And I think we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but, uh, on my own, my own podcast that I did prior to us meeting, 
I did a 15 minute video uh, on, on this subject, because when I did private lessons for 15 years, this was what came up the most. How do we get my kid to be confident and, and not, not step out of the box or be afraid. And I kind of broke down a, a four step process of how to get through, through it. Um, but ultimately for me, and I'd love to hear your take on it too. It's just time. Like time is the ultimate healer for this fear and everybody goes through it. And that's the first thing I say to any kid that's afraid uh, is I was afraid too. And, and your dad was afraid too. And Mike Trout went through this as well. And so did Babe Ruth. And so did everybody that's ever played baseball. Because when you start getting into kid pitch, the kids can't throw strikes. And a lot of them throw it fast and they don't know where it's going. So um, that's when you're going to go through this. And, and I don't think you're normal if you don't go through it, if you don't have a little bit of fear uh, after getting hit by a pitch. So it's very normal. It, it happens to everybody. It happened to me. So they need, they need to own up that they're afraid because there are some kids that their body is showing that they're afraid, but they won't say it to, to you when you ask them. Um, so uh, when you can let down your guard and let them know you, you were afraid also as a grown man, then they, uh, they'll listen to that. Um, secondly, uh, love the fear out of them. So instead of yelling the fear out of them or get back in the box or, or getting angry at them for being scared, love that fear out of them and look for, look for the small positives. Look for those at bats where they strike out, but they didn't jump out as much. They looked a little more calm. Um, uh, number three, get creative in practice. Uh, have some, have them face some live kid pitch, but put the guy that's, that's, throwing slower up there just so they can experience and see a ball coming out of their hand. Uh, you know, it, it, you don't get many kids jumping out of the box with coach pitch, uh, but kid pitch whole different world. It's, it's apples and oranges. So uh, having them see that maybe it's a tennis ball. Maybe, maybe you have kids throwing tennis balls or soft baseballs. Um, that's not being soft. Uh, that's just being realistic. That That's just uh, being creative and, and, and trying to be productive. So um, get creative with that. And then four, make sure they come back next year. That's kind of the lens you're looking through, through this whole process, because it's going to take a year. It's going to take six months. It's going to take a long time for them to, uh, to get through this. But if you, if you're looking through the lens of just make sure they come back next year, and maybe that means um, having a fun diving for diving for balls, station every game or every day at practice. So find other aspects of the game that they enjoy and, and um, just to get them smiling uh, as much as you can. But once they do clock it, once they clock it, that's, that's when the confidence starts to grow. Like it's uh, um, it, it tenfold. Once they get that first good hit, then you're going to notice uh, the confidence, it, gets gets more confidence and um that might that might take a year might take two years but it will happen over time so um that's kind of the spiel i have on that i'd love to get your take on uh you know kids at this age i don't know if you see it much in high school but definitely once kids start pitching um 
what do you got? Yeah, I, I've I've coached younger groups, and uh, there's there's a healthy fear of baseball. It's a, what six ounces of pure intimidation, we call it, even at the highest level when those guys are throwing super hard. I was afraid of getting hit. Uh, I remember watching my older brother and just thinking, "There's no way I can play at this next level because he's they're throwing way too hard, and that's scary." Uh, so it's natural to be afraid of the ball. I've only met one person that's not afraid of the baseball as a young human, and that's Boaz Chop, and I don't understand it, and it blows me away. <laughs> and he's been hit multiple times. He's been hit in the face. He's been hit in the chest. He has had seams on his forehead, and he just doesn't care. Uh, and that's the only one I've ever met, and he didn't get that from me because I was really afraid of the ball. Um, one of the drills I like to do, you mentioned it, a tennis ball. I like giving the kids uh, some tools. So if the ball's coming at you, you turn your back and we do that drill with the tennis ball. You can do it with a wiffle ball, but just give them that ability of like, Hey, if it's coming at you, just turn your back and then remind them, Hey, you got hit last week. Does your arm still hurt? No. Right. How long did it hurt for? Uh, maybe an hour. So, uh, and usually it's much less than that 10 minutes till you got a, you know, you got a lollipop or an otter pop or started eating that orange slice after the game. It goes away. So but the fear's real, and you gotta you gotta honor that. And I like what you said, Coach. You gotta love that out of them. Um, and it just comes back to as a coach, like having that empathy and looking through the lens of love and of patience. Where hey, it's not gonna happen today. You're not gonna yell some magic term that's gonna get them to regress to the mean of uh, not being afraid of a baseball. You know, uh, and I misused that term. I just really wanted to use it again. God, Thanks, that Tony. is just a great. <laughs> Great phrase. It's not a bad phrase. Uh, it's a good phrase. Uh, but, but yeah, you just, you give them tools, you give them love, you have patience with them. And to your point, as soon as they start connecting with the baseball, they'll, they'll get rid of that fear and they'll start thinking yes out of the hand opposed to, oh no, out of the hand. And that's where eventually you want to get them to the terms we use is yes, yes, yes. No. Uh, if it's not a strike, but um, yeah, tennis ball drill. I love, I love what you said about maybe getting them into a scrimmage with a kid. You got some really confidence that they're going to throw strikes. Maybe tell the catcher, Hey, let's set up middle away. Uh, and if, tell the kid, Hey, if you're going to miss, let's miss away from little Johnny and not, not up and in. Um, but yeah, love that. And, uh, and it's cool. Once you see it click, it's worth all the patience and the love a year down the road when he, he squares a ball up and the, his eyes light up and that, that fear is replaced with joy. They're ultimately the ones that will make the choice. Uh, they're ultimately the ones that will fix the issue. Uh, nothing I could say or you could say will do it. Uh, but these little steps you can take of being patient and, and, and finding the small wins uh, will get you uh, through those, those months and, and years of getting over the fear of the, the ball. But yeah, it's super real. And uh, the email I got, um, you know, uh, I responded with exactly this. I sent him the 15 minute video I'd done, uh, uh, and you can find it on my YouTube page and, and he watched it. Uh, and it's called uh, my kids afraid of the ball or how do, how do I deal with this? And he watched it and it really helped him. It just kind of helped him slow things down a little bit. Um, just thinking, Whoa, coach ball game. I watch all his videos and, and he was afraid of the ball. Mike trout went through this. Some other people, I'm not alone. Um, and then I think that helped him. And I just got an email last night. Uh, the fastest pitcher in his league was pitching. And the first time up, he struck out. Uh, but his mom just kind of 
you know, stay patient, uh, just uh, stay positive with it. And the second time up, he hit an inside the park home run, just crushed it uh, wow. off, off, a, off it. a fastball. And that moment right there of, of just staying in the box, just, just stepping back into the box, um, overcoming that fear. I, I responded back. I said, his nickname's got to be Mighty Warrior because um, you, know, you, you just turned into a Mighty Warrior tonight, young man. And um, there you go. Man. Love that. That was so Love great. It. So great. So uh, add a boy to uh, uh, young Gabe in Atlanta. Uh, and I hope boy, to see Gabe, you at a boy. Add a boy to you. I hope to see you at the Sandlot in Atlanta uh, in August. I, I know I will. And I'll give you a fist bump because you definitely inspired me um, with that bravery. So Love rock that. and roll, man, that, uh, that was, that was the afraid of being hit by the pitch. And, and I, I had one other topic to, to close on another question uh, about, about happy feet, but not, a, not psychologically afraid of the ball and jumping out of the box, but just trying to get to a good load and explode uh, uh, attack of the ball but staying balanced and not falling over so i think it's it can be tough for a young hitter to um i call them squishing those beetles or you know explode those hips it can be tough for them to do that but stay balanced so um i wanted to get your take and then i have a, a drill that i use with kids that that are trying to load that power into the back leg and explode that power into the front leg uh, but stay balanced. What do you got for that? Yeah, uh, balance is key. Uh, I like to just think about being early and smooth. What I see with young hitters so often is they're just super late. Uh, they get their load going so late, and, and nine times out of ten, if you get them starting earlier, even by verbalizing it, of like, hey, say now when you think you should load. And they're saying now when the ball's halfway to the plate, you're like, dude, you got to go. As soon as that pitcher's starting to come at you, you got to come at them at a very slow, controlled, almost like you're sneaking up on the baseball. Uh, talk about like a snake where it sneaks up and then it strikes. Um, but really big on early and smooth with my load. And then just, just trying to keep, just stay balanced, meaning keeping your weight 50-50. Even when you're going back on that back leg, still having this balance uh, not letting your knee get outside of your ankle, all those terms that we've all heard before. Um, and then just getting back, striding to a balance point. And so many kids hear that term and they try to just kind of spin on their back leg. I want to throw my back hip at the pitcher. I want to really, if I'm a cowboy, show them my belt buckle, but I want to, I want to throw it through them. And, uh, and that's kind of how I teach the young hitter about his hips thinking about taking everything through the pitcher. Uh, even my bat path is short to it and then long through the pitcher um, and not taking it towards that, whatever that dugout is. If you're a righty spinning towards third base, you know, that's when you hook a bunch of balls foul. And if you're a lefty spinning towards the first base dugout, I want to take everything through the pitcher. Even if you don't finish your swing, I'd argue you're better off. And there's a lot of drills that big leaguers do where they don't finish their swing or they don't release the barrel because they're just fighting to stay through the ball as long as possible. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I do with my kids. And then when we're saying all of this stuff and make sure all the hitters hear this, the number one most important thing in all of baseball is to see the ball. So even when you're thinking about all this stuff, never let your eyes get off that ball and really see the ball 
And uh, Hunter Pence would say, see the laces. So that's an intense focus on the ball. And uh, that's kind of what I, what I teach the little guys, coach. Yeah. And, and, and as far as game goes, you can't be thinking about this in the game. You can't be thinking about your, your back leg or, uh, you know, anything that, that involves the word you, like your hands, your arms, your, um, we've got to find that external one thought and that's the seams, right? When it's game time, you see yeah. the seams and you attack those seams on the baseball. Uh, you focus on this in practice. You focus on this the, the day before, the night before. And for my kids, I treat my hitting like a pizza and it's a five topping pizza. And the first topping is load and explode. And I, I try to keep that front foot as quiet as possible with these young hitters. Uh, if they get that big step, they're going to lunge, their head's going to move a lot. Their timing's going to be way off. They're not ready for it. So I, I keep their, their front foot nice and quiet. And I just teach them a, a, a tiny load into their back leg when the pitcher uh, lands that front foot. They haven't released the ball yet. They're about to release the baseball and you tiny load it into the back leg, just a little coil. Uh, and then a, a quick uncoil, tiny load, quick explode, uh, where the front foot stays pretty quiet. Meanwhile, you're staying rooted with topping number two of the pizza uh, with great balance. And to practice this, I do a slow motion drill uh, where I'll say, okay, get into your good stance. Now, tiny load into your back leg and start to explode in slow motion. Start to squish those beetles, those big, hairy, nasty, poisonous beetles with your back toe as the weight starts to transfer over to the front leg. Now freeze. Uh, the bat hasn't touched the ball yet, but let me see if I can push you over. Are you still rooted into the ground? Okay, continue. Now the, the bat is starting to go towards the ball. Bat meets ball. Freeze. Two beetles are squished. All the power's on the front leg now. Head has stayed very still, and you're seeing ball meet bat. Can I push you over? Now let's get through that. Let's go towards the pitcher. Let's extend out towards center field with that barrel. Um, freeze. What about now? Can I push you over? And then let's get all the way to the end. Let's scratch our back uh, with our with our barrel. Let's keep both hands on the bat. We're not quite ready as a young hitter to take, uh, take one of those hands off yet. Let's keep them both on, uh, finish high, and scratch our barrel. Um, and then, boom, can I push you over then? And that's a great drill uh, to teach them kind of the process of staying rooted uh, while you're doing it. Then you can speed it up. And you can take that, that maybe a 50% swing. And, and can I push you over at the end of, of your swing now? Uh, what about uh, full speed? And then, then you're ready to go. But that's a practice drill, uh, something, something to practice in the on-deck circle. But you're not thinking about it come game time. Just, just see the laces and, and attack the laces. Um, and that ought to do it for you. Yeah. Love that. I love that you got and go slow motion and just kind of just learning how to yeah, make sure the ground fills you. And that's you want to throw a balanced haymaker. Hmm. I love that. Love that so much. Well, hey, that's all I got, man. This was great. Uh, it was good to to grind. And even though you, you didn't have your internet, you figured out how to use your cell phone and we still got this. And Tommy Gold's deep in the thralls of of his uh final papers and exams, and he's still uh recording these uh sessions for us and getting them to me day of so we can get them out. Um, you know, hours after we record. So Tommy Gold, he's a grinder. You get a, you get a round of applause. You get an attaboy. And when he's done with the, with his, with his most important jobs, uh, he's going to crank up a talking shop, social media.
we're gonna get some Instagram uh, up, we'll cut some videos on there of all of our great guests, and um, you know, uh, he's he's the man. So, at a boy, Tommy Gold, and at a boy, Chad Camp. Hey, I got a camp coming up, uh, partnering with U.S. Baseball Academy. Let's uh, go. June 27th, June 27th through the 30th at the high school, Push Ridge Christian Academy, 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. For those of you in the greater Tucson area, come on out. We're going to have a bunch of fun. We'll have the, the sound system going with music. We'll be working on fundamentals and nicknames and fun, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So that'll be one, and then I'll do a Chad Chop baseball camp shortly after that but uh be looking oh, for that can't say enough about you know just just that tall bearded man that uh <laughs> you can really you can really run a show brother and Thanks, uh if i wasn't if i wasn't in Asheville, north carolina those oh you'd dates, be there oh i know i'd be there for shizzle you my nizzle. you're gonna be there so, you're gonna be there in spirit because because everything I learned from you, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, incorporating for sure. So that I don't regress to the mean and, mm. uh, and I can do a great camp like a, like coach ball game. So mm, there, mm, there's no regressing to the mean when it comes to coaching <laughs> brother, it's excelling right. to the forefront, baby. Let's go. Well, have uh, a great week. Uh, Can't wait to see you, uh, next week. And hopefully I have some internet by then. Who knows? We'll hey. see. And, and we'll be creative next week as I'll be in Chicago somewhere uh, with I my microphone, uh, probably at a Starbucks by Wrigley Field. Perfect. I've seen it. I've seen that Starbucks. Mm, tasty. Right, Rake, everybody. Reiki, Reiki. Reiki, Reiki. Have a great week. Bye-bye.